Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833995 gold 833995 g o l d pure talk the cell phone service my family relies on is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries as you plan your summer travel make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad unlimited talk text plenty of 5g data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Bold, reverent, and occasionally random. The Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now. Buck I, I know there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, uh, you know, how in the world can you uh, cover so much ground in a day-to-day show? But I was reading the Wall Street Journal this morning, and they had a front-page article. A lot of different things. We've talked about uh, DeSantis v. Trump. We've talked about uh, Elon Musk Twitter year one, the issues that Biden might have on Israel. I did not expect this to be on the front page of uh, the, uh, the Wall Street Journal. Baked beans. Baked beans believe, Buck, that they are the most underrated food in America, and they are now going after an audience to eat more baked beans. And I, I actually read the article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And I thought, this is crazy. And then as I was reading it, I was like, I, you know what? I have noticed that there's way more bean paraphernalia out there, bean advertisements and everything else. And it brings to mind, I think one of the most underrated things that I could eat all the time Chips and salsa. You know, salsa outsells, outsells ketchup now in America. Do you know that? Like as the as a condiment? Uh, I believe it. And Modelo is a very popular beer. So I think that it's almost impossible to stop eating chips and salsa. Love them. Almost impossible to stop eating chips and dip. Provocative thesis for you, Buck. Would you agree, by the way, with both of those things? Like if you got oh, like yeah. a nice French onion dip or Any you got chips and salsa. Any sour cream-based dip. Because you call it a dip and you don't really realize you're either eating cream cheese or sour cream and you're eating it like it's salsa, but it's not. Yes. All right. So chips that you skip, uh, that you that you dip into baked beans, maybe the most underutilized move out there because everybody does salsa Everybody does the French onion dips or any other kind yeah. of things. I actually agree with the Wall Street Journal's front page. I think baked beans may be the most underrated uh, food that once you start mixing with other things, I'm not talking about just eating beans by themselves. It's actually kind of incredible. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I, well, I was just in Scotland, as you know. I took a little vacation there with Carrie. We had a, a great time. I love Scotland. I'm a big proponent of it as a country to visit. 
politics are not good, but anyway, who knew Braveheart was fighting for a land that would later on become basically communist. But uh, here's the thing. They eat baked beans with breakfast all the time. And I it did not seems know this. weird. It, oh, yeah, baked beans. Uh, that, that's a big thing in the U.K. for breakfast. And it seems weird until you try it. And I'll tell you this. I actually sign on to the thesis that baked beans are not getting their due. Because remember, you can put lots of things. You can put like bacon bits in there and, you know, pork and, you know, chunks of other things or whatever. So you agree with the front page of the Wall Street Journal thesis? I do. Baked beans, they're dense. So, you know, they're calorically dense. Uh, They have some antioxidants in them. I think that we should start to... I'll tell you this, whenever someone makes it, whenever I was growing up, my mom would make a can of baked beans for some reason. Usually it was to go along with something else. You know, maybe we're having like chili or something. Tastes quite good. You know, Brussels sprouts, people used to make fun of them and then they became trendy. I think we, uh, might, be at the, we might be at the beginning of big baked beans right now. A bean renaissance. You know, yeah. this is the, uh, uh, the poor Southern uh, family food. I remember this being a staple of my grandparents. They would make... Uh, uh, beans, and then you would mash it all together with uh, cornbread. And this thing was, I, I don't know the percentage of time that this would be a meal, but it felt like every time I was at my grandparents' house, beans, lima beans uh, in that particular situation, and uh, and cornbread. You ever hear that, Buck? That it was a southern staple. Like, I, I'm, assume, I'm assuming because it was all, so cheap back in the day. I trust all southern food. Anything they eat in the South a lot, they eat because it tastes good. So I'm into it. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck. We've talked a lot about Biden's hypocrisy on Charlottesville. All throughout this week, basically since October 7th has happened, we've seen an increasing number of people on the left who are... Uh, stridently anti-Israel. And we talked about that at the open of the uh, of the show today, the challenge that is out there for Joe Biden in terms of the far left in his community and how there's a big article about it in the Times, about how they're now rejecting Joe Biden and the pro-Israel policies of many traditional, I'll say, Democrats. But there's another story about Charlottesville uh, that I think we need to talk about and deserves a decent amount of attention because of the scary precedent that is being set here. So I am admittedly, Buck, a huge Civil War history nerd. I've said on this show before, I went in high school to Civil War sleepaway camp at Gettysburg College. I believe it's called the Civil War Institute. They study different aspects of the Civil War during the summer uh, bring in all these great uh, speakers who've written books about the Civil War. If you are a Civil War nerd, like I have been for much of my life, I basically live almost on the battlefield of Franklin in Tennessee, for those of you who are familiar with uh, Hood's campaign in 1864. Again, this is super nerding out. So I pay a lot of attention to the way that we talk about the Civil War and what is and is not permissible to even discuss surrounding the Civil War, much less memorialized. So in Charlottesville, there was a big, iconic statue that was, I think, Buck, a historical piece of art that was of uh, Robert E. Lee that was one of the foundational elements of the Charlottesville protest. Should that statue stay or go in the wake of the George Floyd BLM protest? 
And uh, that was really the fulcrum upon which everything Charlottesville spun. And my position on all of this has been add more. Um, If you don't like a statue, then tearing down a statue or tearing down a memorial uh, to me is exactly the wrong thing to do. It's what the Taliban does. It's what uh, the, uh, the, the ISIS infidels would have done. When you don't like something and you tear it down and you cease to allow it to exist, you are sending a message about uh, what you believe is acceptable in terms of historical, in my opinion, discourse. So this video went viral yesterday, Buck. Not only did they tear down this statue, which is a a, a monument in many ways to the artistic creation of the person who sculpted it, but they also then videoed it being uh, thrown into a furnace and completely obliterated. Um, The fact they took down the statue, I think, was wrong. The fact that they then melted the statue is, I think, doubly wrong. The fact that they videoed it, Buck, being melted is, I think, triply wrong and was designed to send a message about what is and what is not acceptable to even discuss in American society today. This was a major project. Uh, This group, uh, Swords into Plowshares, it's called, had been fighting to do this. There were numerous uh, court court battles, lawsuits over, yeah, Swords into Plowshares, Um, and and they had been planning to do this for a long time. And, And what you can see is that there is a a a gleefulness in the because they have this video and there's you can see still frames of it a gleefulness in really the dissection and desecration of this statue like they cut off the head and show you the severed head of the statue of Robert E Lee before they melt it down into just sort of bronze goo yes um, you know what we've generally been told and and I'm reminded of the more recent controversy in new york city where they have a statue of teddy roosevelt that was in front of the museum of natural history which is by the way an iconic statue that they turned what was the movie they made night at the museum or whatever where uh like teddy roosevelt all everything kind of comes to life and everything else like this is a very well-known statue regardless of what you think of its auspices and it's gone and and this is this is another moment where you realize that the iconoclastic uh, left here, when it comes to historical artwork or, or p- pieces of history that they find offensive, it, it always starts with a discussion of, well, maybe we can move it somewhere else. It belongs they, in a museum is one yeah, of the things that they say yeah. at the start. That's what I'm, I mean, that's what I'm going for, right? Like, maybe we could just display it differently so it's not in a public park, it's in a museum, and in a museum you can have the context. But the truth is... They want to do what they did here, which is the ritualized melting down and erasure of this piece of art because they don't, uh, you know, because they they despise or they 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 find it offensive um, that Robert E. Lee would have a statue anywhere because of his role as the primary general in the in the Confederacy. Um, And and this is where. I, I you know I I think there's a lot of things to discuss just about this clay although it shows people what the real end goal is and what they want to do I I don't understand how if this is now the new normal or if this is going to be the direction of the country what happens to the founding fathers I mean you really have to well, ask that question like what what happens to statues of the founders many of whom were slaveholders 
No, I mean, this doesn't end. And this is one of the things that Trump got 100% right, even though his his statements surrounding Charlottesville were horribly mischaracterized. Um, uh, and, and, and again, Biden I mean, they, they lied cited, about it. They, they yeah, knew, 100%. right? They lied about it. Yeah. And, and Biden cited those lies as his justification for why he needed to run for president. Um, so to your point, you're talking about New York City, Theodore Roosevelt. Didn't they just take Thomas Jefferson out of the New York City statuary uh, the, the, where the, the municipal yes. council or somebody like that? City meets? council. Yeah, there was a statue of Jefferson. Yep. And they said, this is unacceptable now. And at some point, and you guys are going to, some of you are going to think I'm crazy. Others of you are going to say, you know what? No, he's 100% right. At some point, there will be, again, a rising up and a demand. Hey, we got to tear down the Washington Monument. He owns slaves. Uh, we have to destroy the Jefferson Memorial. He uh, he owns slaves, too. Um, and let me, I write about this in the book because I spend a lot of time thinking about this as the history nerd, as someone who really legitimately likes to geek out uh, reading about the Civil War because I think uh, it, it is so integral to understanding America uh, is to understand what actually happened in the Civil War and who the individuals involved were on both North and South. And look, I've even done the research, Buck. I, uh, my family is from, uh, obviously, Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, which by and large are states that would have uh, a lot of uh, soldiers who fought on both sides, Kentucky in particular, I've got Union and Confederate soldiers in my uh, family history. So uh, so I, I feel like I can you know, kind of look at it from both perspectives because Kentucky was a border state in particular where much of my Travis family is from, and people uh, from that family fought on both sides, uh, north and south, depending on uh, oftentimes what city they were in, what county they were in. I mean, the, the line was very tenuous uh in so many parts of the country about which side you fought on and by the way people don't understand this today because people have as we've talked about on this show almost no historical literacy but 99.9 percent of people fought for their state so it's not as if people were making like if you lived in you know southern mississippi you weren't sitting around debating what decision you were going to make you went with your state. And if you grew up in northern Minnesota, you went with the state of Minnesota. It was actually considered to be a stain on your uh, soul in, in, in that era if you turned your back on your state, which was a lot more like your country well, than it was anything else because a lot of people never left the state they were born in uh, in, in those yeah, areas. The, the formation of our union was by states that voluntarily voluntarily became the United States of America. And, of course, the basis for the country was the separation, or in a sense the secession from Great Britain and King George because of tyranny, right? So Correct. there was a, uh, a, a different historical context and certainly a different historical thinking. Uh, that's not to say that slavery wasn't obviously front and center in the, uh, in the debate about all this stuff, but there were people who fought... I mean, I think what what's the stat, Clay? I think it's three um, percent of Southerners own ninety seven percent of the of the slaves. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. I mean, a, a time about one in fifty Confederate soldiers actually own slaves. I mean, so, as a way to like two percent, basically. And 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 I guess there's the, there's this question of what is now an acceptable depiction of anybody who had any part of the Confederacy, and and the answer is right now. Um, based on the on the trends and the way that the the left and political correctness are going, a Democrat Party and and some Republicans too, is uh, it it does not it really is to be treated the same way that Nazi memorabilia is. That's that's yeah. effectively the standard. And and again, I I sit here and I say, 
I don't know where this ends. And I don't think, well, rather, I think I know where they want to take it. I know that it doesn't end with the Confederacy. That's right. And, and, and one of the things, you know, I, I mentioned that I live in Franklin, Tennessee, and I wrote about this in American Playbook because I spent a lot of time thinking about this in the wake of uh, all of this craziness uh, to tear down monuments and statues and everything else. Um, they added, Buck, so we have in downtown Franklin, it's a beautiful downtown, uh, just we're 20 miles south of Nashville or so for people who don't understand the geography. There is a Confederate memorial um, statue, which is not uncommon in many different uh, southern small towns. Uh, they have a variety of monuments and memorials, and one of them is to, and I mentioned we actually had a battle here, uh, but they have a Confederate soldier standing in the town square. And there were controversies about that. It's been since there since 1890, uh, I think. So, I mean, this is, a, this is a relic, I would say, historical object at this point. They added a big statue buck of a... Uh, to honor black soldiers who were freed and fought for the North. So I, I just, re- and, and it's right on the square as well. And I think that was uniquely intelligent because what really you're arguing when you tear down things is that there isn't, there isn't an opportunity for greater historical context. And my argument as someone who majored in history is I would always want more history Instead of less, instead of arguing about what can exist, why don't we create more? And so to me, when you're saying, oh, we've got to tear down this, I would much rather create a world where we're building more historical uh, uh, representation and also where the where the world in the country and certainly kids in this country are more historically literate. I mean, we have, I think, Buck. One of the biggest issues we have is we have created goldfish generations where they can only recognize and remember things that happen in a very short period of time. And as a result, you respond emotionally to everything and you lack the appropriate context to consider it. And one of the things that's frustrating to me about history right now, how often do you see those knuckleheads on MSNBC talking about, we've talked about this, Buck, hey, if. Trump wins this election, American democracy is over, and they just totally forget everything that's happened before. So I think yeah. this is the wrong precedent to be set. History gives you an incredible context for understanding how durable this country has actually been. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't get viewers and clicks on MSNBC. Trump ending democracy is a much better uh, business play. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%.
Identity theft protection starts here. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less. Every time you play, you pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four picks. More player action on Prize Picks now than ever, and it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize Picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free Prize Picks app and open your account. Use my name Clay for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code Clay, that's C L A Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. GovX donates a portion of every order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. Your orders make a meaningful impact. You can become a member in seconds. Signing up is fast and free. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. That's G-O-V-X.com. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX. That's GovX. Code CLAY. G-O-V-X-C-L-A-Y savings for those who serve Sundays with Clay and Buck this happens every now and then I'm sure you've seen it happen too sometimes things that you said months ago or even years ago will cycle back up I saw where was it Emily Blunt had to apologize crazily enough for saying that like she had a fat waitress at at uh, at Applebee's or something like a decade ago. Chili's maybe it was. Um, And so things will cycle back up. So back in February, uh, I I, there was a, a article up and I had talked about the fact that ESPN was desperately trying to make the WNBA a thing by overcovering the WNBA relative to other sports. And I said something that I think is 100% true. I said back in February, a good boys high school state champion team would beat the WNBA champion. This is the women's basketball best team in uh, the WNBA. WNBA existed for like 25 years, still hasn't made a profit. And women have also said, oh, we should be getting paid a lot more. This certainly became a big story, Buck, if you remember with Brittany Griner. Oh, why'd Brittany Griner have to go to Russia because she didn't make enough money in the United States? Well, because most people don't care, right? Um, and so, uh, I mean, that's just the truth. Uh, you know, if you ask the average person listening to us right now, uh, you could have $5 in cash or your WNBA team could win a championship in the, in the state, the city that you live in. Most people would rather have $5 in cash. I cannot um, name, I could not name the WNBA, AWMA 
WNBA team in the state of Florida. I can't name one right now. I don't know that I could. I also, I, I'm assuming there's one in Miami and it has something to do with it being warm, uh, much like the Heat do. But I, I, I legitimately don't know. So I said something that I've been saying for years, which is a boys high school state champion team would be able to beat uh, the WNBA champion. And so then this thing went viral. And, uh, and so one of the members, evidently the Las Vegas Aces, are your current defending WNBA champs. And so, Buck, one of the Las Vegas Aces called my opinion. She said I was a dumbass for having the opinion that a boys' high school team, a state championship caliber team, and I said, like, in a decent-sized state, right, where there's lots of kids, I was, you know, limiting Rhode Island or Wyoming or, you know, North Dakota, like places where there aren't that many, uh, you know, kids that would be playing in general. And so she called me a dumbass. And so I didn't see this until Friday. We had finished the show by then, but I just said, okay, like, let's make this a thing. I tweeted back to her and I said, straight up $1 million bet. I will put a million dollars down that I can pick a state champion boys team this 2024 year and they will play against you, the Las Vegas Aces. If I'm wrong, your teammates all get a million dollars to spread amongst yourselves of my money. If I'm right, however, and the boys team that I pick wins, you and your team or the WNBA or whoever wants to fund a million-dollar bet would have to give me a million dollars and then I would give the million that I won to all of the high school boys on that team. We have requested comment from the Las Vegas Aces and the WNBA, Buck. They've all turned and run in the opposite direction. There's a massive amount of interest. Would you watch? You, you, I bet you've never seen a WNBA game in your life. That is correct. And if I had a million dollars down on a high school boys team against the WNBA, would you watch that game? 100%. Yes. yes. And and I but I would say the only challenge is anybody who actually understands and has played sports at any kind of a level would know that the I mean if you took like the champion high school players from New York, California, New Jersey, you know, Illinois, you know, Florida. Texas. I mean, I think Florida. you could. T- I think Tennessee, we would beat them. Where I live, um, yes, it, 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 they would beat them, and it would not be close. Correct. That would be the, a massacre. That's the part of it that, and and I guess you know, some people are going to say, "Well, Clay, like, why? You know, now you're making people." Well, the point is that there's a reason, right, that men and women's sports are different. That's Correct. one part of it. And she called me a dumbass. It wasn't like I sought out the law. I didn't even know who won the WNBA championship until she called me a dumbass and her calling me a dumbass went viral. I was like, okay, I'll put my money where my mouth is. Like, I'm confident on this. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a simple reality um, and, and that people shouldn't feel upset by the simple reality. But we live in this era with the intentional... Um, not just blurring, but really erasure of gender as a as a thing. And it's really important for civilization, for society to understand the role that gender plays, that sex plays, uh, you know, male, female, etc. And all of this. And there's no like there's no shame in saying that a, you know, a top like men's college tennis player would beat the best female, you know, p- pro players in the world pretty easily. There's no shame yeah. in that because it's a guy against girls. No, no one should be offended by this. Like, you know, no one should be offended if Clay, if you said, I'm pretty sure that you you could probably beat 
any 12-year-old basketball player one-on-one in the entire country. Like, there's no shame for that 12-year-old. Hopefully, like, hopefully I could. But I, I, I might, I mean, there might be some maybe who could 10, run me. Maybe 10. But I'm just saying, you know, you'd have to box <laughs> yeah. out. You know, you'd have yeah. to, you know, go old There's some, There's some, like, 6'5", 12-year-olds out there that are just freakishly uh, freakishly large. But the, uh, uh, the point on this is, yeah, there's – and this is what I saw coming from the world of sports. Buck, you were talking earlier about authenticity. There is so much – Lying. Do you remember when John McEnroe got crushed for saying Serena would be a like the 700th best men's player in the world in tennis? Yeah, and he was Dude, right. <laughs> she she would be like the 7,000th or 17,000th best men. Like I talked to a lot of pro tennis players. They all said Serena would lose to every good men's major college tennis player. Doesn't take away from her being a great women's tennis player, but the interviewer of of John McEnroe was like, why wouldn't you say that? That's that's the prelude. Why wouldn't you say, he said she's the best women's tennis player of all time. She said, why wouldn't you say she's the best tennis player of all time? He was like, well, because she would get her ass kicked, basically, by lots of dudes. I remember someone, a long time ago, I was doing the show in my own clay. I said, you know, I don't know. I think we're talking about this, like, in sports and and how there was that uh, male-to-female transition or whatever um, MMA fighter. And I had said, you know, look, most most women like I'm just some guy who sits at a desk and does radio. But like if you put I mean, I weigh I don't want to say how much I weigh right now, but I weigh (laughs) over 200 pounds. Yeah. And, you know, you put me in there with like a 130 pound female, like, you know, even with very minimal training, et cetera. Everyone's like, no, it's not true. Like they're jujitsu moves. I'm like, guys, size, strength, speed. These things all matter a lot. Between men and women, I'm talking about now. Yeah. A 130 pound guy, jujitsu guy, would just weight classes. Boxer. Like if you put a 200 pound, you know, Mike Tyson would murder a flyweight boxer, like two men, right? And so all of this, there's this idea that gender doesn't matter, right? That men and women are the exact same. Look, there are some women who are bigger, stronger, and faster than some men, but at elite levels of athleticism, the best male athletes dominate the best women athletes now that's why on this program we have been so straightforward and honest and i give credit to riley Gaines, who was an outkick employee and was at the halloween party this weekend with by the way her husband louie do you know what louie's halloween costume was buck he went as leah thomas mm-hmm that is thought, really a funny. I thought maybe like XY chromosome or something to make. Yeah, the, yeah, you know, that, that would be that would be great. But, um, but the idea that you're gonna allow a grown ass man to the, like the, even the concept of this buck, SNL would have been doing skits. We were talking about SNL earlier because Nate Bargatze uh, guest hosted and he's a friend of mine. But the idea that we have created a world where a grown ass man can swim for a men's team and then just decide he's a chick and become a women's champion is so bonkers, banana land, insanity-riddled crazy that I don't think a lot of people out there can even comprehend that we're here. Well, that was why I, I, and this was many years ago, um, but I talked about the transgender MMA thing because to me, and now now you're actually almost endorsing um, violence and severe injury for women because of some... Uh, bizarre cultural fashion of transgenderism, right? Or, yeah. or the, the notion, because it's one thing for someone to lose, you know, a tennis match. It's another thing for someone to be in the octagon and, and be taking elbows and punches yes. and, you know, be getting beaten senseless. 
and the notion that any now I believe Dana White right has already said absolutely not like he he is yeah. opposed to to men uh, fighting women to men fighting women um but there was a time there where the 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 trans activists were trying to push for this because remember as we as we say this it always strikes people as like come on but it is the truth the position of the trans activists in our in our country in our society and and really of the mainstream democrat party now is not that trans women deserve you know, respect and dignity, et cetera. It's trans women are women indifferent from women yes. in all respects, which is just not true. And circling back to the million that I put on the line that the WNBA and the Las Vegas Aces won't respond to, that would be, if they had agreed to do it, Buck, the most watched WNBA game of all time. I mean, I think we had a bunch of people responding like, I'd want courtside seats. Like, I think it would turn into a modern-day battle of the sexes, and I do think it would be emblematic. Remember, the U.S. women's soccer team, before they went super woke and Megan Rapinoe themselves and all those things, they got beat by 15-year-old boys in Dallas, Texas, 5-2. That was the Women's World Cup champion in 2019, going up not against the best 15-year-old boys in the world, but just the best 15-year-old boys in Dallas, Texas. They got whipped. Um, and one of the stats that's out there, every state champion at, I think, 3A in Texas in track and field beat the fastest women's sprinters in the history of the Olympics to win boys' state championships and in Texas. How many employees at ESPN right now would, would share anything that you just said? Zero. Yep. The sports network, everybody. I, mean, I don't think there's a single person, to your point, at ESPN that would say that entire paragraph I just said. Yeah. I think Which is all indisputably true. 100%. The truth is no, is no defense, apparently. It's different than uh, we had thought previously. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 